Hello, my fellow beings of light sharing in this realm. I am so excited to be speaking with you again, sitting on the mountaintop with another person that has so much to offer. I am here with Jen Pierre Rich. She's a transdisciplinary researcher, alchemist, artist, and author, focusing on themes of conscious living, eco-psychology, and cultural evolution. I love her already. Just from reading that, I'm super excited to have her. So thank you very much for being here, Jen. Uh, it's really my honor. And I just love this invitation to deepen together. We start out as strangers and then through conversation, we become friends. And then as we go deeper, we realize that we're just one being expressing itself. And I look forward to that journey with you. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's such a beautiful articulation of what we do experience because the commonality that we experience between fellow spiritualists leads us to this place of oneness. The mutual frequency is shared and it's being decoded and expressed from our own perspective, our own human ego merged with that energy. But we're co-creating this one experience of living, breathing art that will exist throughout eternity and vibrate into our lives and then the lives of wherever it's heard. And just like my last episode, we were talking about cymatics and the sound changing the frequency of water and the shape of water. Mm. And that's what we're doing is we're changing the shape of this world in our conversation. So super excited to have you, Jen. Now, you have a very interesting story, a very interesting background, and also one that is like, I think a lot of people will resonate because you went through some stuff in life, like your life kind of started in almost like a, a challenge. Like you, right off the bat, you were diagnosed with cancer at six months of age. And now you've lived up until an adult life and you've survived the cancer, you've survived other trauma, institutionalization and addiction, and you've used the spiritual path to transcend all of this. And you focused on education and now from my perspective, it's like you've found your soul and you have found your service. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and into your journey of service now? I suppose I've always been on the spiritual journey since the moment I was born, and we all are. But it took me a long time to recognize that journey because the start of my life, as you mentioned, was incredibly traumatic. I was diagnosed with stage three neuroblastoma uh, when I was six months old. And that trauma really set me up for carrying some pretty heavy illusions about myself and a lot of attachments to particular identity structures that were really destructive. In fact, when I was young, very, very young, I remember just really hating myself, looking in the mirror and really hating myself. And, you know, being so young and having that feeling, that wasn't particularly natural. That was something that had happened through that trauma where I started really distrusting myself inside. I started feeling like the world was not safe anymore. And I dislocated from myself through that trauma. And so as I matured and developed, that, that looked like a lot of very self-destructive behavior. And 
I survived the cancer. And then as an adolescent was just really driven by that trauma and made a lot of bad decisions and was really seeking the attention of my family, which I wasn't getting. I was seeking myself, but I didn't know it then. I didn't have these words then, of course, but I was seeking something. And that seeking led me to a lot of bad decisions. Ultimately, I was institutionalized as a troubled adolescent in and out of various institutions, long-term residential treatment facilities. When I was 16, I dropped out of high school, got married in a very rash kind of marriage to try to just get away from my home and my house. It was all about running away. I was always running away from myself. and. In my teen years, that was expressed in a lot of destructive patterns. But one of the best things that happened was in that marriage, I adopted a child. At 19, I adopted a child from foster care. Wow. Who has developmental disabilities. And that marriage was brief, but it was long enough for me to adopt my daughter. And then I got divorced shortly after. So I was really a young 20-year-old with a lot of problems and unresolved trauma with the responsibility of a child. And it was probably the wildest thing I've ever done in my life, but there was also some intelligence in that. There was something in me that knew that as self-destructive as I was, that perhaps my self-destruction, my all the trauma that I had experienced kind of allowed me to bring this child into my life who was also incredibly destructive and also incredibly traumatized. And so we spoke a similar language. We met each other on a particular level that I'm not sure a lot of people could understand, even though we were not that much different in age. She was six when I adopted her and I was 19. So that journey with her through my early 20s, luckily, I was very lucky that my parents stepped in because I really went through a a dark night of the soul. As her mother, I was really got lost in a world of drugs and high risk behavior. My mother stepped in to take care of my adopted daughter, was really lost and kind of hit a bottom point in my life. My estranged father stepped in and came and helped me, came to live with me and took care of my daughter. And in my lowest point, I made the decision to go to community college. And up until that point in my life, I was so driven by that trauma that had happened, that baby trauma early from all that cancer and being sick and all of those illusions that I carried about myself. I was so driven by that. I didn't even realize that I was intelligent, that I was smart, that I could write. And I went to community college and I was really lucky to befriend professors who who noticed that I had some gifts. And the professor was like, you know, Jen, you're a really great writer. And I was like, really? I'd never known before. You know, I never enjoyed school. I, you know, I was, I never fit in. 
And then suddenly in my mid twenties, I found myself in education and going to school. And that really changed the direction, the trajectory of my life. Unfortunately, as my life goes, at the same time, the cancer treatment that I had when I was a child left my body pretty decimated. I had radiation, very experimental radiation that really, really destroyed anywhere where I was hit with that radiation. And so as, as I was coming up and pulling myself out of the hole with education, my body was really falling apart. And my spine started collapsing, kind of like an accordion. And I, in my, when I was 29, had my first spinal reconstruction surgery where they cut me from my neck to my butt and put rods in to hold up my spine. And I became totally fused. And that started a series of multiple surgeries to keep me walking and keep my spine up because my spine kept collapsing. They have to redo the surgery and I'd have to relearn to walk again. And it was these huge rehabilitations. Again, luckily my, my family was there. My mom stepped in to help care for my daughter who had her own issues. So what's happened in my life has been a lot of series of breakdowns and growth. That's kind of the trajectory of my life is this kind of real extreme breakdown and then a huge uplift of growth through that. I went on to get married and be in a really beautiful, healthy relationship with my wife, uh, who I've been with for 17 years and get a master's degree and get a PhD And through education have really liberated myself from a lot of suffering that I carried really through developing my mind and learning. I really excavated myself from a tremendous amount of suffering. And also 11 years ago, while I was married, You know, love is a funny thing, true love, because it's like a mirror. It's like a reflecting mirror and you see yourself really clearly in that reflecting mirror of love, of true love. And even though I was really in what seemed like a perfect marriage to a perfect person, all that trauma that I had carried, that baby trauma the trauma of being institutionalized, of being in my 20s and partying and not being a mom and getting addicted, all of the physical pain that I had experienced, it really came to a head 11 years ago. And I, and I thought, I'm either going to sabotage this relationship, and if I do, I'm going to kill myself. That's how I felt. Or I'm going to get myself together inside. That's how it felt. I was at this crossroads. I was either going to continue going the way I was going, which was really this pattern of self-hate and self-sabotage that hadn't really been resolved. Although education helped, finding true love helped. It wasn't until I totally broke down and was on the verge of suicide 
that I realized that I had to go inside myself and really unpack those illusions directly through self-inquiry. I had a breakdown in my backyard. I, I just lost my mind in every sense of the word. I mean, of the term, I just lost it. Um, I kind of shifted into an alternate state of reality where a community of trees in my backyard threw me a lifeline, honestly. I think sometimes when you're in a real place of desperation, you can switch into a, a liminal realm, another realm of reality. And that's what happened for me. And it was a merciful thing that happened. It was a lot of grace to be held in this alternate reality with these trees who were supporting me in my backyard as I was really walking into the labyrinth of myself, walking back into that, going back into all those places, all the way back to that baby energy that was so wounded and picking up each of those gens from all those places and bringing them back to presence with me and saying, yeah, you know, this is what's happened in my life. This is the reality of who I am. This is the pain that I've experienced. And I'm going to bring it, I'm going to bring it all right here, right now. And I'm going to look at it. I'm going to witness it. I'm going to behold it. I'm going to examine it, study it. I'm not going to leave my backyard until I figure myself out. And that's really what happened over the summer. I became, I had a master class in self-inquiry from a community of trees. Hmm. And they really taught me how to be present with myself. What that means to be present. You know, if you, if you don't know what it is to be present, go ask a tree. They will tell you. And if you don't know who you are, ask a tree and they will tell you. And so really nature saved my life. Yeah. Well, let me just start by thanking you for having such a beautiful soul and such a bright inner light that you made it through all of that with the spirit that you have now. And I think there's something to be said for the power of spirit. And, you know, your story really moves me in the, in the fact that like, Everyone likes to complain about their situation and it's never good enough for a lot of people. And you had a life that wasn't your choice necessarily in the sense where it's like the things that you had to face, like you weren't your own design, you know, like that you came into these experiences and you took it and you went through such crazy suffering. Even the part about like having your back fused and like that part where you kind of got to go into it, not knowing if you'll ever walk again or if you'll even live through the surgery. So I honor you so much for everything that you faced in your human existence. And then totally, totally just like my heart is wide open in the sense that you found yourself in this state of awareness and you unpacked it all 
in one place at one time period. And then the growth that occurred from that, it's like the way I see it is like throughout your life, like you were given all the tools you needed to like unpack the framework of your ego. And then there was this one point where like the ego stuff had maxed out and it was time for you to use every tool in, in the toolkit, all the mint, all the awareness, all the presence, all the spirituality. And then in nature, the energy of nature and the presence of the trees gave you the grace to hold that space and to have the healing. And to me, like there's so many ancient philosophies that, that you just explained in experience, you know, like the part about being in nature and learning presence from the trees, learning yourself from nature. It's like we are nature. Our self is nature and nature is present with itself. And it doesn't have a mood. You know, it has the movement of itself. So I just wanted to start there and, and thank you again for, for sharing all of that, the previous vulnerabilities that you had and just telling your story because I think that so many people really have like a hand dealt to them that they think is overwhelming, that they think they can't get out of and they don't know how to unpack it, stuff from their childhood, stuff from their midlife relationships and whatnot and i think that people will be inspired to know that someone who's had it harder than them guaranteed in certain ways can come out shining like a beautiful light that now offers healing deeper than the level that you suffered and i think that that's one of the the highest paths of the healer is to heal through their own suffering because now it's like you know how to heal all the people that have, are going through your situation or similar situations and also the broad spectrum of healing, how it can be applied to everyone's life. Do you find that that's accurate? I find that I'm a real expert of myself. Mm -hmm. I find that, you know, 11 years on from that first real deep self-inquiry, now I'm quite an expert at doing inquiry with myself. It's very natural. I'm constantly in, in inquiry with myself. It's just sort of like breathing with me now. It doesn't feel, you know, unusual. And so what that has given me, because I have also the skill of writing, is the capacity to write about my inner experience and my inner world and also speak about my inner experience and my inner world in a way that people connect with that people get, that people say, oh, that's that thing that I've been feeling, or that's what happened to me. Because my life has been so big and I've had so many trials, I have a lot of experience and I can connect on a lot of different levels with a lot of a variety of people with a variety of experience. And so that lends itself to sharing I don't write prescriptively and what I mean by that, and I don't speak prescriptively. And what I mean by that is I don't think I know how you should be self-aware. Mm -hmm. I don't think I know how it is to be inside of you. I don't assume, I don't say we, I say I, and I speak from that I place. I write in first person, believing and trusting that 
whatever's in you that may resonate with that will feel that and trust that differently than if I say, well, now you, Sean, you are, you know, when you're self-aware, you're supposed to feel like this or inquiry is done like this. I don't, I don't feel my place. I, I think that kind of paradigm of teachers and gurus is luckily coming to an end. And what is rising is this real hunger for us all sharing our own experience and learning from each other in an emergent way that doesn't feel like it's based on a hierarchy. It's mm-hmm. based on two friends vibing about what we're going through on the ground of a very different, difficult life. And I'm not saying that like I'm so self-aware that I'm better than anybody else. I'm not saying that I'm worse than anybody else. I'm saying that I'm here with you and we're together learning and emerging together. And that feels more true than that old paradigm. So yeah, I feel like I there are a lot of gifts that have come through all of this trauma that I've experienced and I've and I'm claiming those gifts and I'm using those gifts, but I'm also aware of the limitations. And that I don't assume that what is true for me is true for others. I think that's very important when you have a message like mine. Yeah, I love I love how you put that. And something that dawned on me, which is I really enjoyed what you had said about how when you write, you write with the word I and you write about your experience. And the beautiful part about that is anyone that reads your work is going to read the word I. So subconsciously, it's going to be about them anyway. And that's like a really beautiful thing. Have you thought of that before? Yes, it is kind of psychedelic, actually. It's kind of intersubjective switching that happens when I write an I because you jump into my spot and you experience it and resonate in, you know, in your own way. It just feels less threatening less confrontational. You know, when you're working with the ego, as you know, it's mercurial. And if you push too hard or you come on too strong, everything goes, you know, it clenches up and you're not in that flow anymore. So I just feel like writing from my own honest space and expressing that without any assumptions or expectations keeps it from triggering any, from triggering basically. Triggering resistance in others, perhaps, or judgment. And it is a it is a very fine line in a sense where it's like you know that you've developed a level of inner presence, which you would wish upon everyone. You'd wish upon at least those who haven't reached that level yet. You'd at least wish upon them that level of introspection and awareness and, and the ability to shift and transform their internal state. But you also have to understand, like you said, that there isn't like a panacea. There isn't like a one trick for everyone and everyone's got like a very unique story and a very unique perspective and a very unique soul. And that's like the beauty of all of what we are diverging, you know, is like the celebration of our uniqueness as the expression of whole. So I I love that. And it's kind of like not in opposition to how I feel, but there is like, I'm seeking like the alchemist stone in a way, like I'm seeking the thing that like you can find that you can translate to every language and give to every person to allow them to raise their consciousness up to that level. And 
it's the same, you know, maybe what you're saying is a part of that alchemist stone, like the part of it where it isn't about finding one thing for everybody, but finding something that doesn't hurt everybody or something that can be accepted by everybody. So that could be a part of that design. Because I believe we all have like the capacity of spirit and growth. Like we all have this unlimited ability to be more of ourselves and to be conduits of spirit and to just create alignment in our own lives to make our own lives more enjoyable and give us strength in the darkness and shine light on others. So like, I know that that's possible for everyone and I'm always seeking the way to, to bring everyone there. And then maybe there isn't one way to get everybody there, or maybe there's a certain way to give everybody it, which gets past their egos defenses, so to speak, or, or like the part that resists. I find recently that I have a friend that I was invited to my guided meditation class. She expressed that she has a really hard time like following anybody's like guidance or listening to anybody in general because she's been wounded when she was vulnerable by other people and specifically men. So she has like this defense already up. And she just told me that as a friend, like, you know, she struggles with this sort of thing. And in that moment, I've felt like this like download come through me and the information was like, okay, so for this time, for this moment of guided meditation, I'm not going to ask them to do anything or try to guide them. I'm just going to explain to them what I'm doing in myself. And then if they want to participate, they're welcome to. But my entire language shift where normally I would say like, now I would like you to feel into your solar plexus and feel your power. I say like, I'm now feeling into my power center. I'm finding the source of strength within myself. And that's so in alignment with what you just said too. So it's like, it's one of those beautiful synchronicities that we can, we can come together and share. So again, we're just off to a great start here on Monk on the Mountain podcast. I love it. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I, um, I wonder if you've heard of the, um, the, the, the term vitriol in uh-huh. alchemy. Visita interiora terre rectifondo occultum lapidium. And that is Latin for visit the interior of the earth. And by rectifying or purifying what you find there, you will discover the hidden stone. That's one of the oldest maxims of alchemy there is. And what that is pointing to is exactly what you're talking about and exactly what happened to me when in that breakdown. It's necessary for all of us to go inside and do that inner work of inquiry and of finding, in, 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 when you say rectifying or purifying, that's that inquiry where you're really looking, you're going inside and you're looking within yourself and the hidden stone, what is that? What does that mean? Well, it's the relationship with yourself. That's the hidden stone. That's the one thing that connects us all in all of our experience is that that pointer is to you and you having a relationship inside of yourself. And that's where the gold of alchemy exists. And so each of us takes that journey, that alchemic journey within, in our own ways, A lot of times it's through breakdown. A lot of times it's like your friend who has real resistance to being told what to do. You know what that is? That's the intelligence. That's her intelligence 
keeping her North Star pointed right towards herself. Because that's where, that's where she goes to locate that intelligence. That's where the gifts are within yourself. And so being one of my main messages is being in relationship with yourself. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do you get in relationship with yourself? Well, it's just like you get into relationship with it, just like you and I. We, we, we don't know each other very well. We've just met. We ask questions. Maybe we wear our best and look, you know, look nice. And, and then we are curious. We meet each other. We shake hands. We make eye contact. We start asking questions. That exact same pattern happens, but it happens with, within. We maybe put on our, you know, instead of putting on our best outfit, we get quiet inside right? We get naked in silence and we put on, we bring our best, which is our best focusing attention. And we go inside like we're on a first date and we say, hello, it's really good to meet you. It's really good to be here with you. And it's not like you're objectifying that person. You're just feeling them out and getting to know them. The same thing on the inside. And those self-inquiry questions are exactly the same as you would get to know somebody. You know, who, who are you? What are you about? You'd be surprised how many people have never gone within themselves and asked them who they are. I would probably, myself, I probably wouldn't be surprised because I see the state of the world. Yeah. <laughs> like. I know that if everybody had some uh, introspection, we would be in a slightly upgraded space. And, you know, I, I love what you're saying. And, you know, as you're speaking to me, I'm thinking about like the energy of a first date, like the enthusiasm, like the openness, like you are shining, like your brightest self. And you are kind of like hopeful that this meeting, this occurrence will be fruitful and peaceful. And, and like there will be some sort of relationship, even if it's like a deep friendship, but some exchange of of energy and kindness that will leave you both nourished and it's so fascinating to think about the relationship with yourself in that way like as if you're going on a first date which will also show some of you guys out there how you treat first dates because if you're like i'm going to do this like first date style with myself like what are you going into that thinking are you just trying to get it home and in bed and use it or are you trying to learn it and learn yourself through it and i think that there's something very fascinating and, and very nourishing um, to that. And actually, like, I'm going to integrate that, Jen. Thank you so much. I'm going to integrate that into my own self-awareness. Absolutely. To kind of have like a, like a first date with myself again, because I just like you, I'm extremely introspective. Like my, my self-awareness, like I am continuously always being aware of every thought that comes through my mind, every creation of emotion Every like ride my brain takes me on, all of my movements and creation as a human being and as a man and like the other identities you have within your ego and also like my reflection of spirit within my heart space, like I'm always watching, always watching myself. And because I'm doing that, it's allowing me to have uh, not only integration with like my goal of my higher self, but also like a deep knowing of who I am and where I'm coming from and like what I'm looking to be. And I just am so grateful to you for articulating that. So off of that, 
from your experience of doing this inner work, like what kind of advice or technique or strength could you give to someone who has like a barrier between themselves and themselves and and like that that have like the trauma walls between their highest internal nature and the part of them that feels separate from that? It's a great question. Sometimes I think the trauma is so severe and we're so disassociated inside that it's almost impossible to direct at first directly go in. And that's why various technologies like meditation and yoga um, are, you know, really helpful because they kind of get you in that liminal space in a not more non-threatening way. But I also feel like the primary opportunity we have for learning is in nature is when you sit with a tree there's a certain presence with that tree that teaches simply it doesn't teach with a lot of words it doesn't teach with fancy ideas it's literally sitting with a tree And if you're not used to sitting with yourself and being with yourself, that initially is really, really hard. But I found that trees are really social beings and that if you just open your heart and and you ask and you say, I just want to understand what it's like to be present with myself. Will you, will you tree, put your hands on the tree, will you teach me to be present with myself? And just sit quietly with the tree. In my experience and in the experience of many people that I've talked to, there will be an opening. And what what is that opening? Well, the opening is that when you've never been within yourself and you don't have any metacognition or awareness of your mind, it seems like your thoughts are like, Thought, 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 thought. They never stop. There's like thought one. It's like a constant narrative. Thought, 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 thought. That is how I lived most of my life. One thought after another. But what happens is in presence or in meditation or in yoga, what you know is that it's not really thought, 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 thought. There's actually space between those thoughts. And the goal is to start to notice that space and nurture that space between your thoughts and then what's what happens is you start to real you start to flip inside out and suddenly that space is more salient more loud than the thought 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 that was happening in your mind and so trees and nature animals also do the same kind of work they sort of open that up where there suddenly becomes space between the thoughts and Once you find that space, then you can use tools like self-inquiry. So self-inquiry is basically using the mind to look at the mind. So you're using the attentional, the attentional nature, your focus, your actual, like literally, like if you were sitting down to read that same energy that you would use to focus on something, except where you're using it to watch your thoughts. Almost like you're in a movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was having that breakdown, it was like, 
I was lost in that thought after thought after thought after thought. I didn't have any space between my thoughts, but then suddenly with the help of the trees, I got this space between with my thoughts. I then, the more I focused on that space, the more I realized, oh my God, I'm not my thoughts. Right. I'm the one who's aware of my thoughts. And that's the fundamental first turning inside out. When that happens and you realize that you are not your thoughts and you're not your thinking and you don't have to believe everything you think, that's the first big like (laughs) existential somersault that happens with inquiry is a sudden disidentification with those thoughts and recognizing that there's another There's another onus of identification that is the one that is aware of my thoughts and thinking. And that I, and I'll tell you, there's real freedom and liberation in that. If you're somebody who has carried your whole life, all the baggage of pain and identification of your stories, and I'm a bad person and I'm a, you know, I'm unreliable or I'm sick all the time, whatever your bags that you carry, if when you suddenly realize that you are not that and you drop that, it's like a thousand pounds off your soul. Right. So I think that's the place to begin is really becoming intimate within yourself so that you can start to recognize the space between your thoughts and then shift your identity structure using inquiry from the one who identifies with the thoughts to the one that is aware of the thoughts. Yeah, I think that's that's the best first step. Yeah, and I I couldn't agree more. And I would have explained it like in a in a way that like resonated from my perspective, but I couldn't have explained it better than what you just did. The awareness of your thoughts and recognizing that you are not your thoughts. And also recognize that your thoughts are limited by your own perspective and the words that you've learned and and like the style of your ego's interpretation and like you can be free of all of that. And it's almost like you got to like not give yourself so much credit like you think you're right all the time. Like don't think that you know and don't think that you've interpreted the experience perfectly to yourself. Before awakening, before we have this discernment in ourselves and that quality of thoughts, we're literally on a roller coaster. Like that you said, you know, like the thought, thought, thought. It's like that ride. Like you just, I always call it the roller coaster. It's like you don't know what's happening next. You're on it. You can't get off it. And you're physiologically mirroring what's happening in your mind. So you're, you're having a physiological reaction. Your emotional body is mirroring the thoughts in your mind. So you're having an emotional reaction. You're mentally on this roller coaster, and before you know it, your blood pressure is up. You're in a state of disease, dis-ease within yourself that could manifest as illness or just keep you tired or not creative. And some people, unfortunately, live their whole lives compounding this style of living without just knowing that they can create a space of silence and awareness in themselves and then cultivate that. And like you said, like when you cultivate that silence, it becomes louder. I also like to say it becomes more pleasurable. It becomes more peaceful. Your life is like so much more in control. And when you have these movements then of the mind and the emotion and the physiological reflection of it, it's like you're still in control. You're not on a ride anymore. You could be like, oh, I'm having like a little mental movement right now. I'm going to get into control of myself. I will recognize and, and figure out where that came from 
why I feel that way, but it could happen in a moment instead of it taking you all day, all week, and maybe then you creating the lessons that you need in the reflection that you do toward your work or toward your relationships or toward the guy that cut you off on the corner. You know, it's like all of those creations are created from like the frequency of your being. And if you're at the mercy of an untrained mind, I forget who said this, but it's like the mind is a wonderful tool and a terrible master. And that internal mastery is what gives us power over our life. So I couldn't agree with you more that people out there who are struggling, get control of the space between your thoughts, recognize that you're you're not your thoughts, you're creating them. And also, you're only creating thoughts in the form of language. And there's something that's beyond the language that you're really trying to experience and, and express because the language is taught. Like we only use the words that we know than the words that we've learned through our societies and then through our languages. So like the energy is beyond the English, I always like to say. So don't get so fascinated with the words in your head. Come back to the, the space within. Now, Jen, how do you interact with people as far as like, do you have offerings where you work one-on-one with clients or with people suffering in trauma? Or is your work generally through like the works that you create and and um, your work on Medium and and all of your books? I work with a select handful of people that I mentor and I do it for free. But it's a very exclusive group of people that sort of come to me synchronistically. Mm-hmm. But I do most of my message sharing throughout my platforms, as you mentioned, on Medium. Um, writing in my books. I have a new book that'll be coming out, my memoir actually about my life story that will hopefully be out in 2023. And that's called The Alchemy of Being a House. It's based on the seven stages of spiritual alchemy. So I find that social, I find, so I'm a disabled and, you know, as a disabled person, you can feel really isolated in in your world. There's a, you know, I spend most of my time in the house, sometimes all day in bed because I can't walk. I deal with chronic pain all day. And so the ability to reach and touch people through social media is very liberating as a disabled person because you know, I may not physically be able to go out and meet everybody that I may want to meet, but I can touch people and talk to people and connect with people online. And it's really transformative and powerful. So yeah, I'm, um, and I will be going on a book tour with my book. So I will be getting out to, to meet people. And I'm really looking forward to that because I've made so many friends online and connected with so many people just sharing my story that I feel like it'll be kind of like a real homecoming to, you know, meet all of these people that I've been talking to over the years. So um, I don't put myself in a role, as I mentioned, going back before, I'm very intentional about not putting myself in a teacher role or, um, you know, even a therapist role or a counselor role, because my message is about pointing you to you. And if I made it about me, and what I know, um, it stops being about you. And so my work is about making my, my message as free and openly available as possible so that people are continually turning towards themselves, right? Because it's not about me. It's about you. 
and your self-awareness. And so I've tried to, to really create my platform and my message to re- be a constant like mirror to reflect people back to themselves. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so moved hearing your experience and empathically putting myself in your shoes and just feeling like the amount of courage and radiance that you have to still be just serving, you know, and getting nourishment from serving. And I love that so much because like, no matter what situation we're in, like when you have contact with your soul, this abundance just flows through you and it fills your cup up so much that the the excess becomes your service. And you, it's the form of like your books and your, and your outreach. And I know that you are helping so many people. And, you know, I'm just so honored that, that you were willing to come on the show and, and talk about it and just share your light with my audience. And I'm just, I'm very grateful to you, Jen, and I'm, I'm very moved. And, you know, the path of spirit is so beautiful because it gets to bring those of us together. Like those of us, like you said, we've never met before, never spoke before. You accepted my invitation onto the show because like you listened to some shows and you were like, I'm into that. This would be good. And I, your story moved me before I reached out to you, you know, and and that's what made me reach out. I was just like, man, she's got the vibe. Like she's definitely like one of the, one of us and not that you needed my uh, recognition of that, you know, but I recognize that in you and was like, I would love to have her uh, on, on the show and just talk because that what we're doing in just by having these conversations is so valuable because the quality of it, the spirit of it, the energy of it, when people hear this stuff, they know that we're being authentic and they become us. And then it exists within them. And it, that in that way, it leads them to that aspect of themselves just to bring it full circle. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, There's the fractal relationship between our inner world and outer world that's constantly communicating and expressing. And I just feel really honored to share space with you and reach people in your audience who may be struggling with that inner relationship with themselves. And I, you know, hope to connect with you on social media and, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just so grateful for you, Sean. Grateful for you for everything you're doing to bring awareness into the world. You truly are doing such important work. And I know that everybody listening is as grateful as I am to you for that work. It, it means a lot to me. And, and I, I'm very moved. I'm really, really moved. And uh, sometimes even for me, it's hard to know the impact that I'm making. And almost in a way, it's like, I almost don't need to know. I just know that I need to do this work. (laughs) And if you want to even call it work, um, thank you. The reason that I started this show was because I know that a lot of spiritualists don't know how many of us are out there. How many wonderful, beautiful, intelligent people are just here in spirit together. And Monk on the Mountain is meant to be a platform that makes spiritualists not feel alone and also feel like they're not weird for hanging out with the trees and, <laughs> and feeling their energy. And I have, I have a story that you reminded me of that I was debating in my head about telling, but I'm going to tell it now about the trees. First off, I want to tell everybody out there that 
if you ever hug a tree, the tree hugs you back. And you will know that feeling when you hug a tree. You give a tree a hug, that tree hugs you back. It it feels so beautiful and, and like you're helped. And the new, it's just like if, if you grabbed onto like an electrical wire and you could feel electricity moving through you, you hold on to that tree and you can feel the energy of spirit moving through you and the earth and and so much more that you can decode in your own way. One time I was meditating when I had first like begun my journey, but I was going deep and I was meditating out in the sun. And um, I had this like thing come through me about like how I had littered and I had like littered in my life. And like there were times I just threw stuff out the window and I instantly had this like emotion come through me where I was like moved to tears like I'm so sorry that I've littered like to the earth I felt like mortified and embarrassed and like pitiful like I can't believe I ever littered and at the same moment I felt this like wave of like almost like a forgiveness and a gratitude for me feeling like so remorseful about littering come from the earth that it was almost like because I recognized that it was like wrong of me that that was enough for like the earth to hold me in presence and in forgiveness and to nourish me in that moment. And as I felt this like movement through me of energy and it's like, you know, people who are like disbelievers, they could be like, Oh, it's all in your head. It's like, well, listen, when you're just in these spaces and things are happening to you and you're trying to catch up to the movement of it, like you're not planning on any of this happening. You're just like, after it happens, you kind of got to decode what you just experienced there was like this little leaf in the grass, like it was attached like a, like a piece of grass, but it had like a little leaf on it. And it totally looked like a thumbprint. Like I could put my like thumb on it. And I'm in meditation in mudra with my hands and I see this leaf and I, I grab onto this leaf with my thumb and I like put my thumb on it, like a little like thumbprint. And I hold this leaf and I instantly felt this like feeling move through me. Like I was like jacked in in the same way, like if you hold a tree, but just holding on to this little blade, I instantly felt all the grass around me. I felt all the trees around me. And this is where it gets weird. I looked out into the trees. I was in like a yard and in like, you know, a hundred feet away, there's like trees surrounding the whole yard. And the trees look like they started shaking, like a little bit, just shaking. Like they were waving a little bit. And as I looked around, all the trees were shaking, like just vibrating back and forth. Like just the leaves on all the trees were shaking. And I had to like, lick my finger and hold it up in the air to see if there was wind. Because I was like, this is, it's completely still, but all the trees around me are like, are shaking and waving at me. And that experience to me, no one could ever take from me the moment that I had connected deeper with the earth, with mother earth, with Gaia, with spirit, deeper than I ever had before. I'm actually having like a movement in me right now, just remembering it. But no one could ever take from me that moment. And I've never littered since ever. I have been, I've never, it won't, the idea of littering like disgusts me. It's like that movement in that moment in the beginning of my journey was so powerful and so profound and so supernatural. And I grounded that into my being and it stuck with me for the rest of my journey. And that's like my testament and my testimony to what you said about how powerful the trees were in holding you during a sacred ceremony of, of your healing and your growth. And I just wanted to resonate with you. And, and that's how it, it resonated in my experience. And I wanted to share that experience with you. I'm so glad you did. And it's so interesting because when I had my breakdown, I write in the book 
how the trees were waving me towards my own demise. And it I seemed chills like right they now. were waving towards me and they were like, come on, come on. And they were welcoming to my breakdown. So yes, they are. They are feedback loops in nature that will remind us who we are and who we are is nature. Right. And that's, I mean, you, what you, the, the teaching you got is that to litter is to litter upon your own self. You weren't a human being angry with yourself. You were nature reflecting that you are nature and you're not going to harm yourself. And yeah. that's real change. That's the real change we need, babe. That's it right there. You're I living can it. I feel it. Yeah, I can feel it. And, and to me, like, when we have these experiences and we have these like evolutions in our consciousness, it's then up to us in the ego state to hold on to that frequency and make it a part of our personality with everything that we have. More important than we hold on to trauma, more important than we hold on to our favorite colors and all that. Like the growth that we have in spirit, we have to hold on to with every fiber of our being until it becomes us. So that way we can evolve and, and earn like the next level. It's like you have to set these foundations so that you can ascend. It's like you have to build a platform, a foundation to grow upon. And these, these growths that we have in the beginnings of our journey are sometimes the most powerful, most profound, most transformative. And then as you get up higher in the frequency, those frequencies may become extremely profound and supernatural and almost extremely fragile because you have to hold like such a high state of love and harmony in yourself to exist within that realm of consciousness. And you can't hold yourself there if you haven't created these, these foundational building blocks in your personality that are mirrored in your ego, that are expressed from your soul nature. And it all comes into harmony in our disciplines and practice. And I'm just truly so honored to share space with you, Jen. And, and I've had goosebumps all over me when you just said about how the trees waved back to you because I've, I've never had... Uh, the opportunity to have that experience mirrored back to me. So thank you. I'm so touched. I think we're both crying in this on tears in all fields, babe. Yeah. Anybody listening <laughs> that we are both trying not to cry, like <laughs> not trying not to, but just like it's in both of our eyes and yeah. it's just, that's how powerful and, and beautiful it is. So beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So Jen, if you had the whole world listening, mm -hmm. what would you say? Find yourself, be in relationship with yourself, bring yourself the love that you so deeply deserve. Yeah. And that is enough. Guys, everyone at home, make sure you check out Jen's work. You can see her at Jen Peer Rich. That's J-E-N-P-E-E-R-R-I-C-H.com. Friendsinpresence.com. You could check her out on Facebook, Jen Peer Rich. And you could also check her out on Instagram at Jen underscore Peer underscore Rich. And her books, which are, I have them right here, So Be It and Friends in Presence, I'm sure have all of this beautiful frequency in them. So if you're looking for a, an enlightening read and a beautiful perspective that only exists from the heart of Jen, please go check out her work. And everyone listening at home, Find yourself because you are the most beautiful thing that was ever made. And you deserve to know that so that all the creations that you create are the most beautiful thing that the world has ever seen. 
and that's right inside your heart already. So one more thank you again, Jen, for joining on Monk on the Mountain. It was such a privilege and an honor to have you on. And thank you to everyone at home for taking the time to work on yourself because you're doing the world a service that it needs more than ever. I love you all, and I'll see you next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monk on the Mountain podcast. If you or anyone you know would like to share your spiritual experiences on our show, you can send us an email at themonkonthemountain at gmail.com. If you'd like to inquire about spiritual training sessions or see more of our work, you can visit oneworldpeace.online. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can follow Sean Energy at one underscore world underscore peace. Love and blessings.